You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast. If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. On today's episode, um, I'm actually going to keep it really brief. Uh, we had Mr. George Christopoulos on. Uh, George is a friend of Richard's uh, who's on leave this week. Hope you're having fun, Richard. Uh, and um, Black Mamba as well. I hope you're having fun too. Um, uh, so George came, I actually met George uh, on a, a video shoot project, which we'll, we, we, we will be able to talk about at some point. But uh, regardless of that, I mean, I just happened to sit next to him and we started chatting and it just turned out to be a really fun, funny dude, um, just really laid back, really chill guy. Uh, and you'll be surprised to hear that he's an actual Greek philosopher. So he's Greek and he's a philosophy major. So uh, I guess we kind of get into it a little bit. Um, we talk about a bunch of different things. Mostly, I think what came out of this one is um, how it's, you know, you have certain prejudices about people that study philosophy or you have kind of these stereotypes about it being just boring um, or endless uh, or just really specific and uh, not accessible. And I think uh, speaking to a guy like George really um, debunks that. And you see that he's actually really laid back and that uh, philosophy can be fun. There is such a thing. So without further ado, uh, here's Mr. George Christopoulos on Fire and a Hole. Philosophy is an odd thing. Um, when we use the word in everyday speech, you sometimes hear it hilariously. They say, oh, uh, oh, it, it's never good to be late. That's my philosophy. <laughs> you think that's a, that's a generous, generous ascription of that rather dull precept to call it a philosophy. But, but it's odd how philosophers, generally speaking, at least the ones I've read or the ones I um, you know, value, don't have, in that sense, a philosophy. There is no particular Socratic or Nietzschean or Kantian way to live your life. They don't offer ethical codes and standards by which to live your life. They don't offer a philosophy to follow. They just simply raise an enormous number of questions. Environmentally uh, responsible podcast. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear it. That's right. Mm. We uh, we stopped recording on on, on styrofoam years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be amazing? Mm. Uh, we record on styrofoam. Not many people do it, but the sound quality is just worth <laughs> it. <laughs> and you really have a you really have a record that that's just gonna, it's going to outlive you, really. Mm. <laughs> and the next twenty generations. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's going to make any difference, but. I think it depends. Not all policies are created equal is my answer to that. Like carbon tax, not sure that it's doing anything other than like basically it's a racket. It feels like it's a racket to me, the carbon tax thing. It doesn't. It's, it sounds way too convenient. But like uh, we've estimated that your company does this much damage and we need $200 million. And uh, you can then 
pay this amount and as a result tell everybody you're 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 like an environmentally friendly company like how does that 200 million translate realistically into repairing the damage that you did i think it's trying to to make it a less a viable option to 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 pollute let's say right like so i think you're you're trying to discourage those types of practices oftentimes like a company will go for like the cheaper more polluting option because it just makes financial sense and they're not thinking about the environment so if they if you have the consequence of being of having this financial penalty then those those <laughs> options make less sense right so they're right because you're paying per but i mean what are because the then it's not cheaper to, to be uh, environmentally irresponsible right because they're now adding an additional cost to it hmm. right so I, I mean that yes that's the logic behind it whether it works or not, I don't know. Yeah. The yeah, thing well, is, then, if you turn around and start giving, you know, subsidies to those same same companies for creating jobs, like, what's that carbon tax going to do? Or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so the, the funniest thing is when they, you know, they'll pollute something that would co- otherwise cost, like, I don't know, say, two, two million bucks to clean up. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they get a fine of $500,000. Right. So, it's actually, it's cheaper to just pay the fine kind of thing. Maybe. It's like, imagine yeah. imagine parking your car you know, cost like 60 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. You'd just be like, oh, well, I'm not going to pay, pay it. And if I get a ticket, the ticket will be less. It's just, that's, it's exactly that. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. I, d- I don't want to start sound like a bleeding heart kind of yeah, climate. climate and also, this is perhaps the most crucial topic to our race and the definition, the most mind numbingly boring. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Like, hey baby. <laughs> how about this carbon tax no no it just it has no sexiness to it whatsoever hmm. and realistically we don't really have the scientific background to to really debate it i'm so i think we're just speak we, for yourself jason i, I said we <laughs> okay i said we fine okay um see this this is this is what i deal with every this um every day it just week. talks 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 doesn't <laughs> let me get a word um yeah no i mean just for my dummy kind of surface level understanding i don't know if some of these policies work uh, i don't know if some it's always money it's always that's what i find always kind of strange it's always money based and like paying a fee over here and like you hear about bands like uh paying like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever to offset the carbon uh footprint of their tour or whatever and like mm-hmm. It sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if that's the like right angle to look at it. Because for me, and this even my work from you know in in academia has kind of centered around this idea of what is knowledge. Like people debate these things. Like you said, it's one of these important topics. But kind of very few people have the real knowledge about it that it takes to talk about it. And yet, it's so important. So how how do we go? How do we go about having these conversations? Right? Like it's the same back and forth. Like. Uh, between climate science deniers and people who are like bleeding hard kind of climate change activists or whatever. And there's this, they're like talking past each other, you know? Yeah. It's as, as all sides are. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just uh, barking and, and village yeah. like throwing shit at each other. <laughs> it's always the same thing. I think they have an, there's an advantage to keeping it kind of obscure and only accessible to people who are specialized in those fields because yeah. then it becomes too complex, like you said, too complex for the average person, the average Joe. Yeah. And then they can just kind of do whatever they want and just, they just can throw talking points at each other back and forth. 
like yeah. right now, like with everything. <laughs> yeah. With the U.S., everything. Yeah. Well, so this reminded me of something, a word I learned recently actually called uh, agnotology. Okay. So it's the study of uh, of ignorance, basically, of the production of ignorance. Oh. And one Probably of the... Probably a growing field. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the kind of main points about it was like, look around this uh, climate science is the perfect kind of example you know like poster example for this kind of production of ignorance but i think it goes way beyond this you know like ignorance is useful to a lot of groups uh and i, I don't know it kind of kind of gets at me you know as a, as a philosopher and as a as a mm. human being kind of that and a scientologist <laughs> <laughs> wait was that wrong i think that was wrong not a si- sorry no uh it gets at you why well because because I think willful production of ignorance is kind of it's just it's just evil, man. Are we it's about just fake com- news? commissioned by the devil. Well, yeah, it's I think it's <laughs> fake news. Call whatever you call it, whatever you want. You know, uh, what's the other word that I'll, uh, people are talking about now? Alternative uh, facts. Alternative facts. <laughs> God. Wow. Yeah. So, by definition, a fact is something empirically true of the world. Hmm. So, an alternative fact is kind of an alternative. It's knowledge pollution. Right. I guess it's a form of this agnotology, right? Yeah. This is also the most thought anyone's have actually given that expression, right? Like most people, like even that people that don't know what the words mean are like, that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like a bullshit term, mm. right? But it's just, facts. just uh, educated sounding enough to get past the, uh, like the, the, the crust, the cheese on the lasagna, right? People are like, yeah, alternative facts, yeah. That sounds okay. It's just, just a smokescreen. Yeah. I think it just means that, look, what you think and what I think are irreconcilable mm. in a way, right? Like your facts aren't facts and we'll just have to ag- agree to disagree. I think that's what it boils down to. I don't know. Or I think, did, I think just denial of reality <laughs> because it, they figured out they could do it. We're like, uh, if you throw that over the balcony, it's going to go splat. I disagree. And then everyone's laughed. You used to laugh, and now everyone's like, there's enough people now going like, well, it's not necessarily true. And then the undecided is who's really in danger at this point. The undecided who are just like, well, maybe, hey, did you hear that maybe it doesn't go splat when you throw it over? <laughs> I heard that happens. They're, they're, saying, they're saying that it doesn't go splat, guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I learned in school that it goes splat, but I just don't know. Maybe it's fake news. <laughs> I read on BuzzFeed, or I read on Breitbart. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on Breitbart and Infowars, I saw this great documentary on Infowars, and Alex Jones, uh, uh, while he was crying uh, and telling us how Hillary Clinton is a demon, uh, <laughs> found the time to explain to us how gravity is being is controlled by ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I love that that strategy of just like of just asking the question. You don't actually accuse anybody of anything, but like you're just like. Is Hillary Clinton a lizard? I don't know. It's possible. Some people are saying it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but it's possible. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like Trump took an Alex Jones seminar? <laughs> Does it feel like it? Because he uses that style. You're like, I don't know. That whole thing that he did with the, with the, when he tried to claim that he had the biggest electoral vote backing since Reagan. <laughs> oh, right. That, do you that alternative fact. Do you remember how he started the sentence? No. I don't. Uh, I mean, he says, I'm like, I mean, I. I don't know. I know. I think maybe, I think maybe since Reagan, I have had the most. Like I don't know. 
Like and then when he was kind of pressed for it, they're like, uh, oh, that's what they told me. That I mean, it just it was given to me. I just read it on the way in. I just read it on the way in. When, when I came in. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just there's there's kind of no accountability <laughs> so to, to yeah. the information anymore. But what was fascinating <laughs> is when he made the point, he didn't go like, and I knew for a fact that I got more votes than Hillary. Like, he didn't do that. He just like, he weirdly phrased it like, I, I'm like, I don't know. I think maybe. I think maybe like like you're doing working. the hand gestures great, yeah, you know. Like I think maybe I can't do him very well, but you've been working on that impression, I think. No, I, but I, the I, hands are great. Like you, for well, the people I, who can't see, the hands are just spot it's, on. It's all yeah. there. I got a little it's scared. It, 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 I don't know. I, I just uh, some people would say that maybe I, uh, and then there's a mic adjust, which is a new thing. We'll get to that in a second. That's the a Hayes tactic. Congress uh, address, which I, I watched. Oh yeah. Yeah. I only I saw the one. Thing. Masterpiece. Oh yeah. Masterpiece of nonsense. It was absolutely nice. So basically, yes, this this problem though that the knowledge seems kind of like inaccessible maybe to the lay person. And I, as as an academic, as a philosopher, I actually took a, the time to study this concept called knowledge. And it turns out no one really knows what the fuck it is. Right. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, there's been various formulations, various attempts uh, at it, um, but largely they've failed. And it's, I don't know, I, th- I feel like it's a really interesting uh, point because it's something that we talk about and, and say in, the, you know, every day, but it's kind of this thing that really no one agrees upon, you know. As is, now you're talking about the definition of knowledge? Of knowledge, right. Like, what is what is knowledge? How do, how, how do I know that you have knowledge of this thing you, you purport to have or something? Right. Um, you know, and I, I, I could bore you a little bit with a history of, of this, of knowledge. So basically, Richard said he, he can bore us to death. Oh, that's him on. my we favorite, had a show yet. favorite thing to do. <laughs> so, so just b- to be clear, you, you are a philosopher. You yes. can say that when you study philosophy, that yeah. you are an actual philosopher. I thought you could just be a philosopher if you engage in philosophy. Absolutely. You can. Uh, I happen to study it also. Uh, so semi-professionally. Like, shouldn't you get like an extra like arch? I'm like platinum uh, philosopher. Platinum. Platinum member. <laughs> of the f- arch. I feel like arch. I'm on their email uh, list. <laughs> You're on the email list. <laughs> nice. Mensa's harassing you constantly. Score. Well, I just want to say one thing about the whole philosophy thing. Yeah, I, th- I think anyone could be a philosopher. Uh, this myth of the genius philosopher kind of innately just great at it. Uh, I think it's a myth. I think anyone with just a computer and basic literacy can go out and and read ideas and, and engage and be a philosopher. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any such thing as I think a philosopher's thing is like practice, you know. Well, the knowledge um, I would agree is accessible, um, but I don't think it's the desire to to go on that quest is in everybody. I think it, there's there are types of people that 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 question. Right. Just like there are people I feel question their their questions are all about their bodies and their 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 physical attributes and their their abilities to push their bodies around they become athletes they become trainers whatever yeah. so i don't know <coughs> the knowledge yeah I, I agree but that's still a form of knowledge right self-knowledge is is actually seen as the highest form of knowledge and you know by the ancients right ancient right. philosophers say uh, you know know thyself is you know it's one of the most noble things you could you could do and it's very difficult um you know there's knowledge of the external world just as there's knowledge of the internal world and kind of both maybe run infinite in both ways, but that's, that's conversation for, you know, some drugs another time, but right. right. I was just about to like, I was like, dude, 
<laughs> Break out the stu- good stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, but basically, so look, I, I kind of want your intuitions around this thing. So back in the day, think think like Socrates' day, and they're they're trying to figure out. So what's this what's this knowledge thing, right? And people are like, well, you know, it's true belief. And you're like, okay, let's let's grapple with this idea of true belief. What if you believe something that happens to be true is in knowledge? And so Socrates is like, well, no, there seems to be something missing. There seems to be like, if you're persuaded to a point that happens to be true by some kind of bullshit argumentation or bullshit reasoning, then that can't qualify as knowledge, right? So it has to be, it has to be justified. It has to, there has to be another element that's like you're justified in believing this kind of reasoning because he says, you know, all kinds of rhetoric or sophistry would be able to convince you of something that might happen to be true, but is actually a load of, load of shit, right? So, mm. so, so then this idea of knowledge just became uh, justified true belief. And it stayed that way in like the philosophical kind of literature for like thousands of years. As a definition of knowledge? As a definition of knowledge. So justified knowledge is just justified true belief. True belief. Interesting. Yeah. And just by justified, <laughs> you mean like supported? Right, right. If you got there through like by a valid path. Yeah, and so there's two kind of justification does a lot of the work here, the philosophical work, and there's kind of two camps, the externalist and internalist about justification, and more or less it has to do about um, what your reasons are for believing it. And some people have, you know, well, my reasons are external to me, and I don't have I don't have access to them. It could be you know the scientific community or some some authority that I trust. My parents. Right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Or, you know, the fireman, if it's a fucking fire or something or whatever. And then the internalist is kind of, well, you know, it makes sense to me. Uh, I feel it. It's, it's, you know, it's intuitively true based on, you know, a coherence with my other beliefs or whatever. But for all intents and purposes, it's not really, yeah, it just falls under the, the scope of kind of justification. And then around the, the 50s, this, this guy, uh, Edmund Gettier, his name, he published like a, a three-page paper that kind of changed that that offered was supposed to offer like two counterexamples to this uh justified true belief account three pages no. it's like a three-page paper he rebutted socrates with right three pages and then so he got tenure after that paper he was like oh this guy's a freaking genius he never published anything else after like oh. he that was all he did uh and he, he kind of kind of upset the apple cart and then did nothing okay. uh, anymore about it so the counterexamples are kind of weird, but basically kind of overnight the, uh, well, they're called epistemologists, right? The right. group of philosophers that deal with these issues around knowledge. Well, so they hold on a sec. So if, sorry. Yeah. yeah. What, what, was, what was the gist of this guy's rebuttal? Uh, well, the examples are, are kind of strange, but so, okay. So there's Jones and, and Brown, let's say two, two guys. And uh, Jones knows that like Brown has. I'll be Brown. Okay. So, so you could be Jones, you're Brown. Okay. Uh, j- you guys uh, work together <laughs> and uh, you, what's it called? Uh, you counted that he has, I don't know, 10 coins in his pocket, right? So you're like, okay, so he's the guy who has 10 coins in his pocket. And later, your boss tells, tells you that uh, uh, this guy is going to get a promotion. So you form the belief the guy with 10 coins is going to get the promotion. Turns out, unbeknownst to you, you also had 10 coins in your pocket just by pure luck kind of thing. And turns out that you actually end up getting the promotion. Uh, so it was kind of like... Sweet. So yeah, so you got the promotion. Yeah. So your belief that the guy with, Jason. The guy with 10 coins... The theoretical example is like real life. I don't like it. Yeah. It, it, hits, <laughs> it hits home. Uh, brown guy gets home. it. <laughs> yeah. This brown guy. So on. basically, so you form this true belief. Mm-hmm. 
But intuitively, most people would be like, that's not an instance of knowledge. The fact that you didn't know really that the guy with 10 coins is going to get the promotion. You thought it would be the brown guy, right? But the right. brown guy got dicked. He didn't get the promotion. Mm -hmm. So that was the first example. Uh, it's a bit weird, right? Like, why are you counting the coins in his pocket and stuff? But like this, this is just the form. And then like a lot of philosophers made more actually more interesting and fun examples. But it leads me to think that epistemologists are a little bit weird with their counterexamples but basically here's another one so you're, you're, you're driving across the countryside mm -hmm. and you see uh something that with your eyes looks like uh like a sheep right okay. so you form the belief that there is a sheep in the field mm. turns out that what you saw wasn't a sheep but it was actually a wolf in sheep's clothing but a little bit further on there's a little hill and behind it there's a sheep so in the field there is a sheep the belief that there's a sheep in the field is true, but you believe it for kind of all the wrong, the wrong reasons. reasons. Yeah. Right. So you're justified in believing it. It's true. And you, you actually believe it, but it's not a case of knowledge. Hmm. Um, and there's, there's countless like examples like this where you can, you can make, but um, yeah. Like what, what are your intuitions about that? Do you, well, that sounds like making up your mind too early, right? Like in the sheep example and in the, brown example i would never have called that knowledge i would have called that a belief right i would have said that like i tentatively believe based on this whatever information that i have at this point but like both with the sheep and this other guy telling me what's going to happen in the future i would have a certain level of skepticism knowing that i don't have enough information to to make the determination that that was a thing right like i guess i would need to get closer to the sheep or i need to see that promotion in writing before i would you know right so take it that one step further so so what about it isn't isn't knowledge the fact you didn't get a good look at the at the sheep wolf or yeah you know the funny thing is actually when they because they had a lot of time on their hands they actually asked people uh various people about these kind of thought experiments and they mm -hmm. found that people in the west more people you know like us kind of answered this way that this person doesn't have knowledge no that's not a case of knowledge but people in the East and kind of more like in Asia, from Southeast Asia and other cultures, people were way more statistically likely to say, yes, that person has knowledge. Hmm. So then they're like, oh, shit. Even the intuitions around knowledge vary cross-culturally. Interesting. So, so basically, a few philosophers are like, well, guys, this is, this is bad. Like, we're completely fucked. All these thought experiments we've been doing, you know, uh, that count, that are supposed to count as proof towards some truth or some something now you find out that actually vary completely across cultures there's no higher thing you're accessing by saying this accords with my intuitions hmm. it accords maybe with your intuitions as a white westerner kind of like dude you know you never know how what group you fall into and how that would vary cross-culturally interesting so, yeah so this is kind of the the area of, in, of research that i'm interested in like you know what mm -hmm. the fuck do we do like what is uh that is very interesting. I mean, I think in terms of my own intuitions of knowledge, I think I hold on to whatever information that I have in that given point. Uh, I'll I'll believe something, but I'm kind of open to it changing based on new information making yeah. itself available. You know, like there's a lot of people who are. It's really kind of stuck in their beliefs. I guess so. Well, yeah. hum humble about what you believe. It's good. Well, I, I think you need to be a bit fluid in terms of what you believe when new information comes, right? Yeah. Because I think that's what 
ends up really fucking with people is that they yeah. hold like a belief whether they came to it by the proper means yeah. or not but if you hold on to it that tight and then something happens yeah. and all of a sudden you're in t- fire in the hole <laughs> all of a sudden your entire belief system crashes around your around you like, yeah like building a house on sand sort of yeah i don't know i think it's uh well what's that expression that the problem i forget who says it was the problem with the world is that the fool is so so confident right while the wise person is so unsure oh okay yeah i think you i've heard I mean? something like that you hear that mm-hmm. I, I don't know who said that probably attributed to about 150 different people yeah einstein at some point <laughs> nietzsche uh etc <clears throat> yeah, I think no. there was something don't like don't read everything you uh, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Or was uh, res- Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> there was one that was like res- <laughs> I'm going to butcher it, but it's like respect people in the search of knowledge and uh, distrust those who claim to have found it or something like that. I would definitely oh, okay. that, that's a big one for me. Yeah. I I cringe when I hear certitude in a person's discourse. Right. Immediately. Certainty is a is a kind of elusive thing. And uh, most people kind of, I'd say that's, that's a, for me, you, you just kind of hit the nail on the head on what makes scientific writing and non-scientific writing. And that's like a really easy way to distinguish kind of the shit online from the actual good shit online. Uh, it says like science proves that there's a multiverse, you know, like no, no scientific writer is going to use the word proves ever, ever. ever. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's a, sh- it's a crap article if it's saying things like prove or, you know, we have without a doubt kind of level of degree of certainty yeah or at the very least it's a clickbait title yeah <laughs> once you actually start reading <laughs> clickbait like, scientists now believe we're only two or three hundred years away from possibly knowing whether this question is legitimate or not <laughs> <laughs> but the title was we did it mad travels to mars and back in 12 seconds can it be done click right click Shit. right here Oh, and sunglasses on special. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, like, how many pop-ups do you get after clicking that? Like, yeah, exactly. 115 that just don't right. even get picked up by the ad blocker. Right. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm trying not to go on too many tangents here. My, my okay. first reaction to when people ask me these questions about, like, you're, you're driving on a road and there's a sheep <laughs> and the moon is on your left. <laughs> I immediately start to think, feel like I'm... Like I'm checking to see if there's a Voigtkamp machine in the room. If they're trying to <laughs> determine determine if I'm a replicate or if someone's going to drag me out. If I say like, uh, I think there are two lights. Get out! You know, doors busted. He's like, he knows too much. Uh, so I'm maybe just a little paranoid. Um, to add to Richard's point, that I think the big problem, my philosophy or my th- my thoughts are very. I feel like I collect a lot of the information in, uh, in, in through emotional information rather than right. intellectual. Like I'll read and I'll talk to people and I'll, but it's always when I'm hammering out my emotions that I come to what I think are conclusions. And I would say what's probably the most harmful thing that I see in this particular society, uh, probably not as much of a concern in an Asian type of play, uh, culture, is the insecurity... Um, let me try to fra- uh, phrase this correctly. The fact that people feel the need to I d- define who they are by the knowledge that they represent or they back or refute, right? Okay. That it's like it's always suspect because 
we're not actually debating ideas. We're debating ideas that are either important to you or not, right. or that you may have some past with or some current current situation, emotional link to, right? If we start going on about like growing up without a father, I might be able to maintain a certain composure and sound informed or uninformed on the subject, but the fact that I my father wasn't around would probably play in somewhere at some point. Right. And I, I, I and that's where my strengths or as a thinker would start to degrade immediately mm-hmm. right like the my, my arguments will become suspect or perhaps uh vulnerable to you know just vulnerable to error i guess so i i, I don't know i guess my question is like when you're when you're philosophizing when you're discussing philosophy what is the what are the parameters what's the environment that you ideally that's mm-hmm. that's ideal for productive well, so a productive search for knowledge. I think in your in your case, in what you just mentioned, uh, there's a difference with deriving knowledge from emotional experience and you know emotional reasons or or whatever. And and I think being too attached at an emotional level to what you believe. And I think a lot of people kind of suffer from from the latter, and they become really kind of almost a offended when someone disagrees with them I, I you know i don't know about you guys but for me and i think disagreements are 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 fun they're like it's a good way to get to know someone you know and uh i mean it depends on what but like it's for me that's the best way to start is on a disagreement to gain knowledge you know and that's just good old kind of discourse good old you know saying in a le- least kind of emotionally charged way look this is where i stand these are my reasons for it. And I may, you know, disagree with you, but I respect you. And th- I think that's the most conducive environment. Just uh, respect and kind of humility on like your own beliefs. Right. But the fact that you need to even take that time many times, unless you're amongst the initiated who are like that, that oath right, uh, has already <laughs> been taken. Um, <clears throat> you have to continually remind people like, hey, so no stabbing. And no bringing my mother into this. Right. And lay out the chips and stay on target. And this is Joe. He's going to moderate. And yeah. And he's going to start yelling at people when you, you're like, hey, my mother. Like, hey, hey, hey. Back to the topic, right? Yeah, right. So, so many people don't, they don't make the separation between what they believe and who they are. Yeah. It's kind right? of like exactly. it's tied to your yeah. identity, right? So if you, always, if you disagree with me, then that means you're saying that I'm bad or i'm wrong rather than the idea is wrong and usually people who have who have done some kind of debate or philosophy or something of that nature they have that that skill set right where you can where we could say we're going to talk about this right it's not a competition between you and me Mm -hmm. to see who's who's going to win we're going to say this is what we're talking about we're talking about this topic we're going to put it in the middle of the table and then you're going to talk about that thing in the middle of the table. And then I'm going to talk about that thing in the middle of the table. And then we're going to decide, you know, where we stand and maybe even change our minds mm-hmm. based on, on that. And if I say that I don't agree with what you just said, I'm saying that we're, we're still, we're talking about this thing that's outside of us. And it's not you. It's like, you're stupid, Jason, for having said that. It's like, no. Yeah. It's, so... But like your your point was that for the uninitiated, right? That's very difficult, right? Because for that's the kind of that's the dream, right? Having someone who's so open. Uh, I've had I've had disagreements where with someone who isn't 
they're like, well, I'm not calling you stupid, but they'll say something like, to the effect that, what I'm well, anyone, know nothing. He, he, what <laughs> I'm saying is that anyone, anyone who would believe that is stupid. Would be mad. <laughs> <laughs> not you. I'm not se. saying you per se. I'm just saying anyone who believe that is clearly wrong and stupid. Yeah. You're it's not like, stupid. Well, I happen to believe that. <laughs> yeah. So, but so see, by extension, personally, right? So stop taking it personally. But <laughs> yeah. I, I would, ast- I would go as far as saying that even in that ideal situation, mm-hmm. where both people come in and know that this is, we're externalizing and we're attacking arguments and pitting our logic against each other they're still emotionally tied to that conversation their goals right. are just different their goals is to achieve this idea of the of the perfect conversation or the or the, the productive debate right mm-hmm. because right. that to them is an emotionally an important thing to 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 that's kind of maybe even why they got into the game right and then it all starts to play in extremes right so uh then it comes down to uh, can you still stay emotional enough to be human and go intellectual enough to stay on target? And I, I like everything keeps bringing me back to balance because I see both extremes and they don't work, right? So on one end, you have the like, you can't tell me Obamacare's good for me. My father, blah, blah. You're like, okay, you just lost me right there. My father has nothing to do with fucking Obamacare. You right. have brought no arguments to this. This is purely an emotional Response. You're talking about someone who's too close to the, to the subject. To, to the be, subject, but there, there's that end. So that's the someone who's gone off the rails emotionally, mm-hmm. and then you have the Sam Harris's of the world, in my view, anyway, hmm. who are brilliant people, but sometimes feel like they are so inoculated against uh, human emotion, like they've they've trained themselves so much to push out any sort of interference that they end up sounding like inhuman. <laughs> right. And when someone's yeah. going like, well, you can't tell me this because I went through this, they're like, that's besides the point. And yeah, like, yeah. That is correct, but that's not what a human <laughs> says to another human <laughs> when that other human is paid, right? Right. That just, does not compute. Yeah. He, he Syn- comes off syntax a, error. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 404. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I guess my, my point is just, I feel like, I feel like everything is ultimately goes back to the person and their goals. Mm-hmm. And I think only a stupid person would say that. <laughs> I'm not calling you stupid. Let's say you're dumb. But I'm saying in the pantheon of stupid people, you might be such beliefs would be found in it. <laughs> you might be in it. <laughs> would not not be found would in not, it. Would not not be found. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So uh Okay. No, I mean, I, I think I, I think I understand what you're saying. I think I understand what you're saying. So the, there's there's a kind of balance where you maintain your humanity across kind of reasoning, right? Like right. You, you, you don't become an, a, a computer or automaton, or a, a, a fucking bag of like nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, a, ba- a sobbing bag of yeah. just so rational that you you forget the empathy, mm-hmm. or or so emotional that you you don't make sense, right? right. Which yeah. is why I like the uh, Hannibal conversation with Sam Harris just like Blew they up. they just weren't talking the same language, right? He was talking right. pure rationality. And Burris was coming from a, a place of emotion. And it was just like nothing. Reportedly, it's a If that, but you know what, what argument we're talking about? I don't actually. So the Hannibal, Hannibal Burris. And, uh, Hannibal Burris, and uh, you know who he is, right? Uh, he's a stand-up comedian. Okay, yeah. And uh, he, he does a lot of like, uh, I guess you would say like human behavior. He's like a street street guy. He comes from the streets. 
And then, you, of course, you have Sam, Sam Harris. Sam Harris, the academic kind of scientist, philosopher, right. or whatever you want to call and, him. And uh, they were on the same podcast, and Hannibal had had too much to drink. And then, Allegedly. Classic. Yeah, no, he, he had a bit to drink because Rogan broke out the... People drink on podcasts? Yeah, they do. In California, they do. How anyway. rude. How rude. <laughs> um, and the conversation started about, like, the... Um, the shootings in the U.S. and how many blacks were getting killed. Uh, right, disproportionately. What were the real stats? And and Sam Harris was kind of trying to bring like a, like a, no, no, the data does not support to a guy who's a little drunk and used to get racial profile daily. <laughs> right? Okay, I see. So they were completely on different pages. Now, I, it was on Hannibal to kind of pull it together and be like, okay, well, you're not the guy I should be telling this to because you don't know what I'm talking about. And it should have been on Harris too to go like, okay, this is one of the places where my pure, cold, academic approach is going to get me punched in the face. <laughs> but that's where he's on the spectrum a little bit, I find. And which makes mm -hmm. him so smart. Yeah, well, he, he, he believes that if he can formulate the perfect combination of words that he can bypass emotion. Yeah. Like, Ideally, we would all debate like him, right? Yeah. Well, so, so there's two kinds of senses of the word argument. Yep. In the popular kind of uh, usage, it's we're arguing. It has a heated undertone. You know, we're arguing. Right. You, you, know, you never want to be arguing with your partner, mm. right? But in, in philosophy, argument has a completely different meaning. An argument is simply uh, f premises and a conclusion. It's it's way more formal, way more kind of dispassionate than in the than we're having an I'm having an argument yeah. with my girlfriend. It's like the Greek guys on the sit on the right. public with the hand gestures and the sand in the hand and. Yeah, it's, it's making it, points. It's just exactly kind of like a kind of rhetoric. Um, it's like a thesis that you formulate on your own without right. even someone else. Right? And, and and people have studied this actually, and 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 looked at forms of arguments. Even like philosophers have have done this, and to a certain extent, they've made certain valid argumentation forms. Uh, the words you may not be familiar with the names, but I'm sure you guys are familiar with the logic behind it. So, like a modus ponens is just premise one. If P, then Q. Saying P and Q could be anything, hmm. right? Any kind of premise two, P. So then conclusion and premise three is therefore Q. It's just kind of, and you can replace that with anything, and with anything right. right? And say like, if, you know, it's, there's clouds outside, then it will rain. There is clouds outside that therefore it will rain. And so that's a, considered a valid argument. It's math. It's it, it, yeah, it's kind of just... Yeah. So philosophy, the, my, my favorite uh, account of what philosophy is, is basically uh, math with words. Hmm. Yeah. I heard a professor call it that once. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I think that's... We are doing math, aren't we? Hmm. Um, so that's what we call that's a valid like, argument. That's ideal. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't... I, again, you'll have to forgive me. I, it's suspect to me, but... What's respect exactly? That you can achieve that in any consistent way. The pursuit of it is noble, and I, I, I applaud it, and I would much rather people functioning with that pursuit. But I, I immediately become nervous at the idea that you convince yourself that you might be doing this with, with, a, with a consistency and a, a, fall, a fall, infallibility, right? Well, I, I see it in kind of the other way. Like when you're when you're formal, like in, to that degree, you kind of make yourself vulnerable, right? Right. Because you you kind of say, well, this is what I believe, this is my premises, and this is my conclusion. And people can go and evaluate, and they'd be like, look, you're full of shit. Like <laughs> in premise one, so they can attack you very specifically on on your idea, on your argument. So 
in a way, yeah, it's you're kind of like making it ironclad in this whatever kind of rational way you want, making it. But it's understood follow. that it is. It's 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 there's leeway. Yeah, and it, and so there's different formulations you can have of the same of the same kind of kind of argument, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, not a lot of people reason like that. You do, and it almost just even talking to you guys now, it almost seems like you you kind of leaving the human realm and when you're talking in those terms you know like the if if this and that kind of logic uh yeah. it's it, it's weird but it's so important i think it's a good starting know. point you're saying we're weird and i think you i think that's so. true it's true go on identify as that yeah i think it's a good starting point i mean um i think it was uh, jordan peterson who had said recently that we think by talking right and we we start off with with a premise i certainly do <laughs> <laughs> you certainly do. <laughs> Apparently, I think a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You're quite. I the think thinker. after I talk. <laughs> yeah, but we, you know, we say something out loud, and it's a process, right? Like you start off with the with a premise, and it's not perfect, um, but just by saying it out loud and having other people hear it mm-hmm. and then react to it, you know, they criticize you. You refine your 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 premise, and then you kind of through this process of refinement end up getting to a more sophisticated premise than you'd started with right right right. and that's kind of right like hey you're a man with a a mutilated penis uh i mean hey no you're a man that thinks is a woman no you're a man that's a you're a woman inside you're trans (laughs) then you get to like you start with if you're a man then you have a penis and then you realize wait a minute there's some woman with penises and then you have to go and revise so see is this the the process the point is that that's it the point is, and I see why Peterson would bring up this point because he's fighting for like push away, like to, he's trying to block this legislation of words. Is that they're kind of imperfect, and they're you're supposed to kind of tumble down the side of the hill. He's saying that free speech is almost synonymous with free thought, right? Right, Which I and agree. by by forcing speech, you're forcing thought. Yeah, yeah, I I, I certainly agree with that. I think, uh, and I'm maybe going off here, but. I think one of the problems that I see is that the greatest obstacle to learning and to progression in a conversation, whether it be a deep philosophical, a mathematical, or whatever, any, any philosophy that's going to be debated, is that it, our ability to rationalize and think and, and exercise and put into, uh, put into function various ideologies or, or, or ways of thinking is that we it, it's at it's at odds with our competitive nature with our animal nature right it's almost like the fact that we think is amazing it's incredible it allows us to create these thoughtscapes and these universes and almost do that doctor strange type of shit and like jump out of our bodies and consider the world on a whole other level but at the end of the day tugging the strings is still our old evolutionary kind of like got to win this one you know so we we like we posture, we butt heads, and there's yeah. this co- competitive thing that sets in. We'll beat our chest and say, I have the best argument. Yeah, like, that's actually incorrect, right? <laughs> As opposed to saying, the, according to the knowledge, according to what I've seen, uh, there's a lot of reasons to dispute your point, mm-hmm. right? What we'll say is wrong. 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 <laughs> wrong. <laughs> right? And, and so I, but at the same time, if you remove the competitive nature, then we don't want to strive and we don't want to push things further than they are we'd just be content grow fat and die right i don't know does this make any sense it makes sense um 
the thing is with the comp- the competitor nature is fine. It's just when you you know y- you need it, like you said, you need it to get better to to drive you know your ideas forward. But at the same time, if you get it's it's a balance because if you get too too competitive, automatically I don't care how convincing or how you know smart you are if you start getting really competitive and really emotional over no one's gonna believe you no one's gonna like give you the time of day being convincing is also partly being calm being reasonable i think i don't know for me culturally if you'd ask a chinese person they'd probably tell you that that sounds like weakness really that's interesting that you say that though i I actually also heard that uh, like in for example uh the u.s backing down from a point that you held is seen as weakness. You saying China, China too, perhaps? Well, I'm, I'm just or, uh, I'm basing this on on what I know of Chinese culture. And again, saying Chinese culture is ridiculous because there's many regions. Sure. But, uh, what I because they're more collectively minded. Uh, their their definition. Look, a, a nation and a culture yeah. will define their core values by the kind of leaders they elect, right? And they th- th- those values will at, at some point start to dictate right. the. Uh, the, the the package if you will right even centuries later well right? that's the premise of democracy right that we right. like yeah so which is why you sure. can't move in like a like you move in a, an american style democracy that's evolved over three four hundred years independently on this like in this colony you move that system into iraq <laughs> that mm-hmm. doesn't understand a, a compromising leader that shakes hands and is like what do you guys want to do like they don't understand that their leaders need to be kind of tough and fatherly and s- like iron fisty, right? right? Iron fisty sounds wrong. Iron fisty sounds um, hot. My point is, <laughs> my point is that uh, what was my point? Um, <laughs> yes, well, backing was, down. Yes, that, that never that, back down. Did this never goes back to your that. initial point? Right. Is it culturally different behaviors? What is it? The um, uh, Fitzcarraldo, uh, which is a film by. Um, um, uh, Werner Herzog, the famous German. Oh yes, like uh, the world is cruelty uh, and nature. And nature shall kill you. And beauty Hear and the nature. scream of nature, <laughs> as <laughs> the despair. Like he's one of those guys. So he does this film called Fitzgeraldo in the South America in the seventies. Okay. And he drags out this lunatic actor, this German actor whose name uh, escapes me. This, but he they had this like symbiotic relationship, but they fought constantly. And he drags him into the middle of the jungle to, to film this movie about a conquistador arriving in, in ancient or old South America and his, his struggle getting through the jungle to where he was going. And so while filming this, hor- this movie, people are dying because it's like the conditions are horrible. He's actually recruited like a tribe to help him, right? And there's this tribe following him everywhere and helping him move the gear around to make this movie. And him and the actor whose name, why, why don't I remember his name? Crazy German guy. Crazy German guy. Uh, they keep having fights because the other guy's a diva. He's known as a, like a s- classic screaming, like walk off the set kind of guy that he rants for an hour and a half <laughs> and then walks off and then he's back in the scene. Like he just, that's the kind of dude he is. So, but Werner Herzog is reportedly like incredibly quiet. And so at some point, they get into it and the German actor is like fucking just shredding him apart and Werner Herzog is just his arms crossed and he's just sort of like nodding, nodding, nodding. And then the guy is finally like, and then walks off 
and the tribal leader like comes over and he's like, would you like us to kill him for you? <laughs> <laughs> and at first he interpreted this as they wanted to defend him. Yes. And then once he did a little research, he realized that in that small village of natives, they're according to their values, uh, a person who screams at the top of their lungs and angry is afraid, is terrified. Mm -hmm. And a person who can conduct an argument in complete silence is borderline like godlike. Wow. Like they have <laughs> they have pure strength and power. Wow. Right? And they were almost saying like command us. Like lead us. us to take out this fool. Clearly you are powerful and he is a fool and we will kill him for you. You're was, rational and can engage in, in quiet like debate yeah. without you you clearly know mere mortal. Right. We watched <laughs> we watched you with that German movie for an hour and a half, this guy was screaming at you. What they don't know is later that night, uh Werner Herzog went into the guy's trailer with a gun and put it to his head and told him, like, if he walks off his movie, he's going to fucking kill him. <laughs> he's like, is this a true story? This is a true story. Yeah. The, those, there's a documentary about the relationship between him and the dude whose name I can't remember. I feel like this Herzog guy just makes documentaries about everything. Yeah. He's at just... his best now, actually. His old stuff was very pretentious. Now his stuff is like really. really? But anyway, all this to say is, is uh, it goes back to your initial point that we forget that culturally and right. i think maybe the harris hannibal uh, burris thing was also culturally uh disjointed hmm. we're not terribly evolved in the way that we look at strength or or choose our leaders either look at the way we we look at our our, our um, like politicians yeah all of our, yeah anyone anyone in power anyone who who has like a, a point of view if they like a normal human being gets new information and changes their mind later on, then they're, they flip flop on the, on the, on the issues, right? Yeah, like mass panic, like, like they daughter. can't, they can't evolve over time and change their mind. Right. Like yeah. they need to just stick with exactly the way they were when they first got into politics. Right. Yeah. They, they, even though deep down, everyone knows this is impossible for what person to have these kind of, super, we essentially we want them to have superpowers. Right. And for them not to be, human in other ways right like to not have sexual desires or exactly. drink too much or that's and it incidentally perfect in north america specifically in the uh, united states they have to sound like uh like greek or they have to do the whole greek thing right they have mm -hmm. to talk like pericles it's <laughs> true that whole tradition that's where it comes from really mm -hmm. yeah they have fucking they have columns in the white house why do you think there is I mean, Don, Donald Trump has a way to go, but Obama was was a great orator. I have to say, yeah, like he, listening to this guy speak, whether you agree with him or not, he his yeah. voice, and and the words, the way he put together words. But just just to say, like one last thing on 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 what yeah. on your point is that, yeah, like I forget this study, and I'm not gonna like, but it, it basically compared like U.S. I think Germany and another like African, so basically like three different continents, and they saw that um, people thought that backing down from a point even when there's like evidence that you should is seen as weakness in the united states mm -hmm. it's whereas for me that you know that just seems like like that takes courage you know to 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 say i was wrong i'd rather mm -hmm. i'd rather follow someone i mean i don't think i'd be a great leader but i think i'd be a great follower you know i'd be a great <laughs> i'd be a great follower and i i would love to follow someone who said that they are wrong and no one to back down i think that's a sign of strength I think so too, mm -hmm. but I think that the problem with that is that that's not what we want from our leaders, right? It, 
the, it's what we what what tr tribal behavior is like or even a gang just take a gang what they'll want from a leader is someone that will make them feel better look better than they actually are and also give them a, like a theme right so the leader function is kind of to 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 fill the void on these insecurities that are actually completely human and normal right so in a in a perfect world like if if we could get to the point where we would accept leaders are like and that's why the taxes oh excuse me i just got this document here okay it seems the research is completely fucked let's reconvene next week <laughs> and uh, we'll decide what to do with the taxes and everyone's like, like clap 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 like Good, good job, president. Like you caught that one. Like if we could get to that, I don't even think we'd need a president. Really? Look at this guy. He's so sharp. Yeah. You know? yeah I'd be like, <laughs> I think by that point, we just all kind of do our little functions. And this person would definitely not need to do like touring and the kissing the babies and the placards and everything. We'd like, we'd have to move past that whole right. stupid monkey show. Yeah. The myth of the one person leader, right? No one leads alone. Yeah. No. It just... It's a fallacy no one really truly believes, but we but we hold on to it, right? It's our kind of primitive, maybe something chest yeah. beating uh, roots. Um, a thought I had based on an idea: the, mat uh, the materialization from pre-existence into existence, then concluding with post-existence. One might assert a lack of definitive strength regarding post-existence as the absolute final end. I just want to touch on the notion of what appears to be emerging from non-existence and, and, and I understand that there's science saying that things have happened and I'm really not in either one of your corners I, I feel but I feel like this is substantial for me do you have a question yeah the question is I'm, I'm trying to generate some feedback because I think maybe we could humble down and say hey well you know we are somewhat in the unknown based on linguistics and, and we're somehow trapped in this sense of the unknown I mean you may feel I know you're science-based I know you're somewhat religious-based but this merging out of non-existence into existence and then back into post-existence. Do you see a pattern there, a zero, one, zero pattern? And do you and, want Dinesh or Christopher to answer that? And then row four would indicate, if you filled out that pattern, uh, I'm, I would su suggest a one. Now just tell me what your general idea that is, your sense, your sense of that, not necessarily taking it to verbatim. I think we should take that as a statement. I, I move we take that as a statement. So what is the, what is then the, is there a commandment? Is there a mission statement to philosophy? Uh, the, one of the coolest ones I've ever heard is uh, quietism about philosophy. Basically, you just, philosophy is just supposed to make things clear. It makes no normative claims. Uh, I'm like, well, I can get behind that. Basically, it's just to, to find disagreement and make c conceptual clarity and stuff. That's that's the goal of philosophy. That's the role of philosophy, and everything else should be left to science and the other things. So that's why it isn't popular with the mainstream, <laughs> because it doesn't really have a clear like. Okay, but where do we go left or right? Well, what is left? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, what is right? <laughs> what is, make, what is justice? <laughs> this is bullshit. That would make a terrible clickbait title. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. What is clickbait? What do you define as clickbait? Well, no. No. I want answers. Well, if you're asking the right questions, it doesn't, I don't think the answers matter. I don't know. We don't even know what knowledge is, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? What are you looking for? That's a tough do we one. Do? <laughs> we, what are you looking for? What do you want? We got it. Maybe. <laughs> what, what is having it? Yeah, it, it can get into, I, I'm guessing, circular. It, it can get lost. You can get lost in there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. What yeah. happens in that situation? 
Like you have regular debates, which is that you get together with your dudes and you there, There's some you people who it. have a better propensity, better affinity for these things um, than others. Yeah, like you, I could tell the people, I don't know if you've ever taken these personality tests. Yeah. The just, ENTP, yeah. Uh, INTJ, whatever. 16 personalities. Uh, yeah, so they basically ask you some questions and you, you score. Briggs. Uh, is it? Yeah, I think it is the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. There's, there's kind of yeah. uh, variations on it. But basically, I think I'm ENTP, which just loves, uh, they'll give you kind of the strengths and be like, oh, you're very rational and like you like analyzing things. And then they'll give you the kind of you excesses. Never shut, never like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you can't read the room. You never know when to like stop arguing. Like, <laughs> Right. Uh, you play devil's advocate way too much. I'm like, holy shit, this is scary accurate. <laughs> well, what I liked about that particular personality test is it, it, it read much less than like a BuzzFeed thing right. where like, oh... Uh, which X-Men are you? Like, <laughs> much less than that. And what I liked about it is it had these groups. And within each group, you had kind of an equivalent to the other groups guy. Like you had some yeah. sort of analyst type yeah. in every group. Like you'll get along with these groups, but not with these. Or like steer clear of these. Right. It almost reads like a dating horoscope. A little like, bit. Yeah, seriously. And it had the little characters in it. <laughs> but little uh, quaint drawings. But yeah. it'll have like, if you fall into that sort of, and this is a very broad definition of it, but if you fall into that kind of art adventurer, I think is the category, yeah. adventurer or something like that. And in there you have like the activist and you have like the philosopher and you have the whatever. And then there's still uh, like an intellectual type in that group as much as yeah. there is one in the other group, but that one's called the console and he does this. And this one's the one that searches for new information and wants to mm -hmm. experiment. This one is the one that takes established information and knows how to crunch the numbers. Uh, and this one is the one that can... Um, take on board everyone's ideas and find a common point in them and etc right so yeah no those are interesting i don't know what their realistic value is but well, i guess what i like about them is when you read all of the the results it doesn't have like a you're a this you're a that like people with this kind of package tend to yeah. do these types of things and some of it will ring true and some of it won't so did your yours was on point? Mine is on point. I've done it a few times and gotten the same results. So there's some kind of kind of construct validity or whatever you want to call it that is getting the same answer, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, well, the, the but also the the one thing that happened once um, when I, so when I was doing my undergraduate in psychology, um, there's this thing that you could do for credit where you participate in research, kind of, and you'll get like a fraction credit or whatever. So I answer these questions, whatever, and I answer truthfully, you know, you know, for science. And uh, they, I get a call like a couple of weeks uh, later, and they're like, "We're just calling from the, you know, the Concordia Center for whatever psychological uh, research thing." And they're like, uh, "We noticed, you know, in your in your test results that you you have a people who answer like you." have a uh, high degree of, you know, like depression and OCD. and uh, We're not saying you, but... We're not saying you, but people like... People uh, with your types of answers. Yeah, might, might have a lot of problems. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, shit. We're, we're worried about you. I, 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 exactly. <laughs> and there's like, you know, if you ever uh, have problems, you need some uh, help, like we're, we're here for you, kind of call. And I wow. was in a really good mood at that day. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm no longer in a good... I'm like, maybe there's some... Am I fucking... Am I fucked up? <laughs> What's that's, wrong with that's me? That's mental. Yeah, no, that was pretty funny. Um, I don't know. I mean, 
I, 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 I couldn't imagine being goodness, the guy so. making that call. <laughs> like all day, yeah. every day. Mm. It was like, hello, sir. So, based on your answers, we think you might be a lunatic. <laughs> Drops the phone. You're like, shit. <laughs> I think I just pushed him over the Little edge. Little check mark next to the name. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll uh, I'll schedule you for a call back. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for you know answering our question. But sometimes when these these kind of you get these kind of calls, um. Not the kind of like mental health assessment calls necessarily, but some just, you know, people promoting things and there's like a way to do it. And the other day, uh, this girl calls me from the Museum of Fine Arts and she says like, and she was had the sweetest voice, this lady. And she's like, you know, we're doing a promotion now if you want to like resubscribe for the next year. And I usually fucking hate when people call me to, for my money. But this lady was just so nice. And I'm like, you know what? You can have my twenty eight dollars. But I'm 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 kind of made her work for it. I'm like, you know, what? I don't have my credit card right now. Why don't you call back tomorrow? <laughs> she, she called me back tomorrow. And she's like, oh, we spoke yesterday, you know, and uh, I'm just calling back. And I'm like, yeah, you, you can have the twenty eight bucks, you know, <laughs> signing up. I don't know. Sometimes it's just, you know, they make your day, and sometimes it's just like, why why are you calling during dinner again? You know, like, right. what the fuck is wrong with you? Sometimes they just fulfilled their. Uh, yeah, they gave you something for that twenty eight dollars. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know that this is worth twenty eight dollars, but I'm okay with you taking it from you me. Know? Go ahead. You're wonderful. She, Did anyone tell she, you? She she had You're a little wonderful, bit of all right. wonderful voice, you know? And very kind. Yeah. You know when you can just hear someone being kind? Yes. That was ugh, it just made my day. And I made her call back though. I made her work for it, so nice. She called me back the next day. Was it right after you got the other call or <laughs> <laughs> no, this, that other call happened a little while ago, so I've had Code time blue. to deal, deal Code with Code blue. Code blue. Tell Martha to call. <laughs> we got one. I don't know. I might, you know, it made me think when I got that first call about, you know, the whole depression OCD thing. And then you can't help but read into it. And, and then everything you do that's even slightly maybe OCD, you're like, ah, well, yeah, you know, I got, I got OCD. Right. It's, you know, it's after that, you just can't help. It, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And everything I would overthink then becomes uh, an instance of my diagnosable OCD disorder. <laughs> there's the m <laughs> there's other factors too to this debate thing, this this conversation thing that I think we're also not really. I mean, I'm sure smarter people than myself are taking them into account, but voice. You talk about voice, like the way you talk, your cadence, mm -hmm. your rhythm, things like that. That plays in a big way into mm -hmm. how long people are willing to entertain your yeah totally your the the precedence you have also like and this is the best example when you look at people who never swear and then they'll drop a fuck and you're the whole room goes silent and that you know because this person is so kind of soft-spoken or, or polite or whatever that when yeah. they'll the, when they swear it has such a bigger impact mm. you know what i mean yeah. Uh, yeah david lynch is like that really yeah, yeah. so yeah he, he when he goes uh there's this one minute video of him talking about iPhones. Yeah. And he's just like, um, if you think that you can watch a movie that someone made on your iPhone, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> and like when he dropped the F, you're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> here you go. It was like the first time he used it in 15 years. Right. <laughs> he was that angry we're, about it. We're blessed to hear this. Yeah. That's a special, <laughs> special F bomb. Yeah. As opposed to someone that's just like lacing it. Yeah. All the time. You almost, even though the word may no longer shock you, you kind of think less of that person's point of view. Yeah. I think we're finely tuned to changes in behavior, right? Like, yeah. 
like you start when you get to know somebody or you have a you know a concept of who this person is and how they behave normally when they deviate from that like then all of a sudden like what the fuck what what are you doing yeah, yeah. go like back you're, you're deviating from my my concept of you right yeah right? and i need to understand you in order to feel right about mm-hmm. the world or to feel comfortable yeah in my own reality <laughs> sort of thing sometimes go back to acting in your part in, in my, my movie. world, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get shit for that sometimes. Yeah, the person doesn't even know why they're giving you shit. They're like, "Stop!" They're like, "What? What?" Ah. And what they're trying to express is what you're saying. Yeah, you've somehow broken the like, like no, no, no. I was I put on reality TV. Why are you giving me like, why are you giving me Discovery Channel now? Like, why are you going off script? I yeah. give you a script. Like, this is your <laughs> role. You should do this thing. Yeah, that's why. Like we. Like people who've known you for a long time kind of stop you from evolving. Yeah. Right. Because you're just always that the brown guy in their in their crew. <laughs> true. It's you know, true. You can't. That's right. You're right about that. Yeah. I'm going to make some phone calls after this podcast. <laughs> or you're the guy that you were in high school because I knew you in high school. Right. And as soon as you try to do something different, you'll be like, "Ha, fag." <laughs> <laughs> oh, high school guy, look at you. Yeah. Trying to sure. be all like the supportive friend. Yeah, that's it. You're or just like, high yeah. school. Right. Or like you went to when you went back to university to do uh, film study, you'd be like, "Why you think you're an artist now?" You know, yeah. like try to like kind of dissuade yeah. you from 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 changing, right? Because it's fucking with your role in their life. That's it. Yeah, yeah. you're this. You're that guy. You don't. You're that do guy that. who does the armpit noises. <laughs> whatever it is, the guy that know. tastes whatever we give him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're that guy. One of those. Oh my god, that's don't get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard of Shoe Nice? That guy literally made a career out of eating things. Shoe Nice. It's a the he has a YouTube channel and he's eaten the mo- kind of and oh, I'm he, only gonna he's s- new. no no he's well established is that the guy that ate the bicycle no that w- I think that was another guy the the, the guy so there is a guy who's eaten an entire airplane yes yes uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah Cessna yeah. Yeah. that was that was on he was in like the Guinness no Shunice is more thing. of a kind of he ate a Cessna yeah yeah so sh- he this guy ate a full airplane uh but then he said something like like fruits and vegetables give him stomach pains anyway um. <laughs> This guy, <laughs> but that's no, no, that's not the guy I'm talking about. This guy is, uh, he's a kind of YouTube personality. Okay. And uh, I just realized it's kind of tangential, uh, but he eats things for, for the pleasure of others. And uh, at some point, like, uh, he started also like drinking copious amount of alcohol at once. But he's like, oh, I can't really do that. You know, I can't buy a bottle of Smirnoff and chug it for you guys. And I'm kind of poor. So people would send him in right. things and he's like, here, drink this. And he, so he drinks like the bottle in one one go or something or he'll, oh, he'll eat like yeah. toothpaste or something or like crayons it's yeah. just weird shit this is how they invented patreon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but yeah to go back to that thing like of some people taking uh like even taking a joke too far and i don't know if you've ever had this experience but someone who's just so kind of politically correct or soft-spoken then all of a sudden will say this like raunchy joke that's like even raunchy even for me and i'm like oh my god did that just come out of your mouth like <laughs> yeah I, who are you even you know yeah, exactly. yeah it's like when your parents are you? my, my mom does that sometimes yeah. she'll just like break character and just say uh, my grandmother used to do it too where she'd like hobble into the in the dining room back to her little kitchen and you keep trying to tell her to sit down and that you'll help her she's like no no i'm making the soup and she brings a soup or whatever. And then, so, are you seeing a girl? <laughs> seeing a nice girl? You're like, well, I don't know. I Maybe. I think I met someone. Oh, okay. 
well, you know, you 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 pull that Jimmy on extra tight. <laughs> You're like, holy shit, oh, what? Oh shit, mom, what? what just happened, grandma? You can't. T- I used to be a doctor. Make sure okay? you tear up that ass. Oh, okay, <laughs> grandma. <laughs> make, sh- make sure you tear up that ass. Exactly. <laughs> Like what the shit? Wait, what? <laughs> but it's almost like a little betrayal. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's like the you're not the stage. grandma I know and love. You don't That's do it. that. You don't. You go don't back to your role. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It is very much a, a um, like an obsessive thing that we do as humans, and I think it's also maybe what creates the novelty of just fucking off to yeah. another town or reinventing yourself and. Yeah, I I, I I knew a lot of people that had to reinvent themselves. That, that was a new concept for me. How, but then it's like people do it all the time. It's it's weird almost. Well, yeah. I mean, if there are people who are monogamous and there are people who are just never settled that way, and that's not that's not in them, they they just they move on from person to person. Mm-hmm. Then, by that logic, maybe this whole thing about our personalities being set and our character being this and that and personality tests, maybe that's kind of a fallacy for some people too. Yeah. Maybe just they're, they're mutable and they, yeah. maybe their chameleon like nature is not in sincerity and insecurity. It's just that they, they, they fluctuate mm-hmm. with the environment around mm-hmm. them. I don't know. I think people can change. I think that in order to build a cohesive society, people need to fall into their roles. Right. Right. And that they might be, a, they might, you know, different behaviors might come to the surface in a different context. You know, like if you're always the zany one and you go to some party and there's, they already have a zany one. Yeah. There's a little conflict. Uh. Yeah. And then like, okay, well, I'll, okay, I'll be the serious guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like I'll put that hat on or something. I don't know. Yeah. You encounter this uh, during, uh, if you, if you, uh, sexting. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, or any kind of like fantasy play with someone mm. is that they'll go on a, maybe a picture or, or something or they've seen you and they've constructed this like, this almost like this porny kind of out- outline of what you are. Okay, and you're going to play that role? And then, and then as you talk to them, uh, if, you, if you veer too much off that sort of character, then the responses start to sort of become less frequent. <laughs> and then it, and if you like go back on the, what did you do? No, I, I, <laughs> no, no, no. Th- this is a guy I know. <laughs> this is a friend who told me about this, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, but it's true. I mean, because but that that's because there it's not even accidental. I mean, there you no. are fully engaging in just a bit of a role play, a role play, right? So if somebody goes off script, then that's that's definitely like, hey, 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 hey that's not what I'm paying you for. <laughs> Assuming you're playing for it. That's not sexy. That's not sexy. Go back to uh, Game Hunter. Uh, 69 doc- on uh, yeah. Xbox. Exactly. <laughs> Just go back to whatever persona I assigned to you. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess the best people who do phone sex are probably the ones that can stay, keep, deliver those characters, deliver those fantasies really yeah, well. Yeah. range. Right. But they'll, they'll, like, they'll be consistent. Right. There, there's a certain level of skill that comes into for the for the chameleons, right? And I just imagine like this logo, like of a chameleon wearing a hat, and there's like the chameleons wearing different hats, you know. But this kind of a, adopting a persona and then like being consistent with it. And uh, this re- <laughs> this reminds me of something I saw recently. It was a it was a one hour long video of a guy analyzing a three panel Garfield comic, and he just and at 
and he's deriving all kinds of wisdom from it but you're and you're not sure is he kidding is he not and and in the end he's like he can't be serious right like this video can't be serious but he he commits to it so much that you're like this is this is this person now this is like his identity and i don't mm-hmm. know it's mm-hmm. i love that stuff i love that stuff because what that reveals is the power of argumentation the power of charisma the power yeah. of presenting an idea and communicating it and being able to essentially sell almost any ridiculous idea yeah that's a, it's and, a powerful and he reminder sold it. like he, he sold it i don't know if you've ever guys ever seen the it's a three panel garfield comic called you could probably find it called, it's called the pipe strip mm-hmm. and it's just uh john reading the newspaper in one panel and the second panel he's kind of looking around for his his pipe and he thinks where can my pipe be and the third panel is just garfield smoking the pipe kind of like a badass like haha i got it and then in the in the corner like garfield okay and so that's all it is and he spends an hour analyzing this what does he extrapolate from that do you remember he he says that um so jim davis the creator of garfield this is one of the first ones published yeah there you go you you got the pipe comic okay uh, is oh wow! Yeah, you, this is predates the. Yeah, it's like in the one of the first comics, and he said that it changed his life basically, and and, and he he's not sure why, but the comic is perfection, and and he runs all these kind of analyses of mathematically of like fi- the Fibonacci sequence. And wow! Okay. No, no, he he gets really deep into it, and he, and and uh, that it, that this contains like a this contains a profound a profound. He, so he calls it uh, universal proportions, and he says you can replace the images with outlines of, of, of shapes and it'll still work. You could replace the pictures with other things and it still works. And it's just him like fucking with the comic strip in many different ways and saying, it still works. These are universal proportions. Mm-hmm. How can a mere mortal stumble? And, and, and he's so convincing in his role that I, I didn't actually think he was joking. And I shared it with a couple of friends. I'm like, oh, this guy's clearly joking. I'm like, oh shit, you're right. Like <laughs> He this, got you. He got me. Yeah. You know, and this was so convincing. This is just like, I don't know. I feel like we're still talking about the Trump presidency. <laughs> he did like a reverse of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, but that that's that to me is a, a very profound. Uh unfortunately, it also fills me with a certain amount of dread because um I know that for every person that sees the sort of fun in that in in just, you know, they do this sometimes. There there are argument or conversation exercises where you're like just defend this point. Mm-hmm. just take even if it's not something you believe in just like take it to its yeah. ultimate to get behind well, it as it's much the as you can art and science of debate right so it's 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 people who some of the best conversationalists are people who uh engage in debate because they are able to argue both sides they're not necessarily in one side or the other yeah they've traveled yeah. in their mind at the very yeah. least right they've yeah. moved from their from their starting point yeah and therefore It'll greatly reduce the anxiety of. Um, what are we looking at here? Have you seen this? It's Garfield <laughs> minus Garfield. Oh, he Garfield he, he removes Garfield. all Garfield from all the. That's great. Yeah. And it becomes about like what like a man struggling with his sanity or. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's very existential. Right. Uh, it's all about depression now. When you yeah. take out Garfield out of the Garfield comics, but I, I do highly recommend to all the listeners that are interested in uh, grasping uh, knowledge of the occult to look at that one hour analysis of that three panel uh, comic because with the goal of like maybe punching a hole in their <laughs> occult beliefs just, just, just watch the first 10 minutes and and it's enough to okay. uh, to 
to see to gain the but again knowledge. i would you argue to find it off offhand or uh probably yeah i probably uh would be able to okay we'll put it we'll put it in the description yeah we'll put it in the description um but th- so <laughs> sorry what were you gonna say yeah, uh, and i was just to say that um again we run into the same problem from uh um earlier whereas when you run into those kinds of people um that are so attached to something like you know well of course this was a conspiracy or no 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 there is no actual the earth is you know concave convex whatever right. you know, that whole theory um very often very very often i've seen the pattern of it leading back to a trauma you think a so? personal you a personal kind yeah, of yeah personal it comes trauma that defines this identity towards this belief when it's out there enough i feel like i've seen so many instances when somebody holds something to be true or whatever they found their truth in something that's that takes quite a bit of a lunge to uphold there seems to be uh, it seems to be a result of a trying to compensate for something traumatic or something that really went the uh, in the other direction right whether you talk about people who left cults, whether <laughs> you, t- you talk about people who um, left any sort of, uh, you know, group, it always seems, you know, like they talk to the ex-neo-Nazi guy who's now doing tours at schools telling kids like why, you know, th- this is why bad I'm for no longer a neo-Nazi. Right. <laughs> and why you shouldn't be either. Or like, this is how they get you right. guys. Just be careful. And then when they... You know, the, I never had a father, and and my mother, you know, when she took my left eye out with her cigarette, like and the wrenches, and then you're like, oh shit, okay, wait, here's the here's the actual deal. And that's why I don't like Muslims, <laughs> right? Well, the actual <laughs> indoctrination it's itself, Muslims, 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 Muslims. Um, the actual indoctrination process of said group that they joined, when you read it on paper, is really not that deep but you apply that program to a guy who had cigarettes put on his back right. or came from nothing or was abandoned or et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. That is a very nice sort of equalizer, even if it's temporary to something that is definitely fucking all over, over, all the way over there for them. You know, when you don't have that sort of trauma and that, that yanking of the right to left, that's why a lot of this stuff happens in the childhood. That's why it all, right. That, that's the formative years. You'll find that generally people that are kind of in the center, in my experience, will either be people who maybe have never been completely dispossessed or fucked with mentally on any level um, and maybe had that kind of discourse in their home environment already. Mm -hmm. Or on the very rare case, it's someone that's gone to both ends and seen the the fucking edge of both sides. Mm And maybe had a couple of car accidents, maybe had a terminal illness or whatever. And they're like, actually, I realized that this whole time the answer was like here somewhere. And that these things like absolutes don't lead to any answers. And these um, ideologies don't lead to any answers. They just lead to more debate, more, more argument. Yeah, I think it's hard to find a general because um, obviously we learn from our experiences, but it does our experiences also have to be taken with a grain of salt what do, what do you think about you know people who are born to ra- racists the children of racists right you know what i mean uh is that a is that a free pass to be a racist no y- we intuitively you want to say no you want to say this person has the some kind of duty to overcome or duty to challenge the kind of indoctrination 
process. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a duty. I would you say wouldn't? that I would say that I could I, I let let's remove let's make it maybe a little bit less dramatic. Remove racism or neo Nazism to like being born to a blue collar family. Sure. Right. Three generations, every uncle, every aunt. Blue collar worker. Blue collar is blue collar, blue collar, and I know someone like this. Mm-hmm. And for reasons unknown, without any prompting, he became a scholar, and he he went to Concordia and he got a um, mm-hmm. uh, he, he studied Shakespeare. So no, he not even he didn't even study in his own language. Like right. he moved out of his language. He moved completely other, and he's a brilliant man. And he's been on the show a couple of times. Shout out to Gene. Um, <laughs> so did he have a duty to break, let's say, that economic? Um, like stranglehold, if you want to call it that, or did he have any? Du- I don't think he had a duty, but certainly it's impressive to see someone come walk come out of that environment and be like, "Well, I just still chose my kind of path." Right? Yeah, my all my folks are neo Nazis or uh, flat earthers, but you know, I like cooking. <laughs> right? So I find that impressive. I don't know where do you feel that the duty comes from? Like to whom? Well, that's what I think the analogy breaks down a bit when you talk about something like blue collar workers, right? What I want to, when it's something like, like racism or something like, you know, more, more morally kind of muddled than just what trade you do for a living or what, what career path you take. I think then the responsibility comes in. It's not, you know, whether you're a blue collar worker or not is, doesn't have as much pull as whether you're a racist or not. I disagree. You think it's just the 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 impact of the ideas may be less like um, it might be less violent and less less agitated and less like impactful in in a social sense, but I mean, ju- class has an Im- immense yeah. amount of package. You know, like the values. Well, that's true, and I guess uh, like taking your example, right? You can you can have negative experiences with certain groups of people. And that serves as kind of evidence to some claim that this group of people is not for me or is not whatever. But like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, at the same time, that's sort of the problem with biases is the, is cognitive biases that you'll, you'll only see those negative instances. If, if you're brought up thinking, Oh, you see, Oh, you see, or you see that person that cut me off and that's a shit driver. See, that's a woman. I knew it. And you'll forget all the times that the shit driver that cut you off was actually a man right. because you have this. So how do we, how do we even like get over those? That's, that's the problem. Right. It's called the cognitive biases that come with indoctrination. Um, and these are like, I'm everyone, suggesting everyone, everyone we, has, yeah, we do it on all levels. We everyone do it on has all these levels. Biases. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you're blue collar and again, I'm generalizing maybe, yeah. but that's going to come with a package. It's going to come with like maybe a certain amount of, um, romantic romanticizing of physical labor as as kind of like you're doing real work mm-hmm. if you're laying brick a kind of uh, built-in uh, resentment slash distrust of anyone in a three-piece suit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with soft hands it's you know? it's great that you bring this up because I actually today saw a video uh, about it was like a blue-collar worker saying that we need to give a different kind of look to the blue-collar workers as as not just as um, what was it we should stop looking at trade school as a last resort. In fact, like so many people go into trade school willingly and end up doing great things with it. Right. And it's like, and the stigma of like blue, blue collar worker as like a lesser mm-hmm. job. 
totally totally makes sense right like yeah i mean i think this is what the expanse is about right a little bit uh, from what i understood oh that's sci-fi show i haven't watched mm-hmm. it but i uh, from what i understand that, that kind of is a metaphor for for uh how we populate into these groups mm-hmm. and based on our environment we develop values right yeah, i could do that right so like the martians are the, the people living on mars are a little bit more militaristic mm-hmm. The belters, who are like, I guess, the, the blue collar workers. Yeah, they live on the asteroid class. belt and they mine mm-hmm. uh, the asteroids. And they're even physically affected, right? Like yeah. they even can't walk around, I think. They're like el- elongated, from what I understand, or some of them are. The, they had like uh, the the consequence of being in low low gravity. Low gravity. That, like they, yeah. they can't walk around in like Earth's gravity. Right. They need suits or whatever. No, they just don't come They to just Earth. don't come to Earth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get too far here, is, is, is that what I'm saying is that. Uh, the things that feed us and with a sense of understanding and comfort and like a, like our starting point, um, whether we need to break this cycle or not, I don't know, but we kind of continue this, this conditioning. And then if, depending on which group, which anthill you were born into, mm-hmm. um, what we're dealing with then after is the clash of those ideals, Right. And so, yes, it, I find it, in fact, very interesting to see someone like Tesla, for instance, who was born, I think, in the very definition of destitution and despair somewhere in Siberia. Really? Like where just people died wholesale. And he crawled out of the muck, right, and became one of the... the capitalist hero of today. Greatest, <laughs> greatest scientists of his time. And then died in a ditch, ironically, thanks to Edison, according to what I've read, after all of his shit was taken away from him. But my point is that, yeah, I, I don't know about it being a duty, but it certainly is interesting. And I wonder what would happen in a society where we're like, okay, you were born in this uh, traditional Greek family uh, with the loud relatives and the, the boisterousness and the happiness and the cooking and the family togetherness and all that stuff. Uh, but st- starting at this age, we send you to like neutral school. <laughs> right neutral school you go to you get to go to neutral the neutral education center where you're exposed to a, a, a bunch of different things and now what does your what do the, your instincts dictate right where wh- where would you end up if we hmm. turned off the cultural baggage at I some think point we're talking about a different thing at this point though because and correct me if i'm wrong but i think what you were trying to say is like at what point do does an individual have the responsibility to cast off any sort of negative things that you were brought up with oh okay right so like at what point are you you know can you can you just for all of time just say well i was brought up that way so Mm -hmm. that's that's why i have this shitty thing right as an excuse okay right like stop washing your feet in the in the school sink (laughs) right right you know or like (laughs) but i'm a muslim yeah that's great but there this is not a desert society with you know whatever it is because you know, or, or I beat my wife, right? And oh well, you know, I was brought up to beat beat my wife. You know, my my father beat his wife, yeah. and his just father the way it's beat done. his wife, yeah. and you know, and father, women have been getting out of line for generations. That's, and <laughs> that's right. But like, you know, that's it's a dance. <laughs> that's maybe an extreme example, right. but like, can is that is that a cop out at some point? Like, Absolutely. do you have a responsibility yeah, yeah. Yeah. as a as an perhaps an adulthood to say, well, you know my parents were shitty for xyz reasons and imparted me with some like really shitty values but i'm going to take it upon myself absolutely 
Yeah, I would deviate grant, from that. I, I 100%. Well, yeah, that's a question. That's a good question. I, but I would say that what immediately comes into play in that scenario is peer pressure. What is the cost of abandoning said obsolete behavior, right? Mm. It might be occur to more people than we realize that you're like, mm, yeah, you know what? Punching my kids in the head, nah. I don't think I don't. That's that's uh, that's abuse and uh, assault, and uh, I don't want to do it anymore, right? <laughs> or wearing the stupid hat. Wearing the stupid hat is really ridiculous. I was beat as a child, not turned out just fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no. Okay. A, a good example of this. Um, I mean, I don't want to pick on any particular culture, but anyway, my point is, is that yeah, what will that cost? That that uh, um, ops rendering obsolete some cultural baggage that is no longer practical and may in fact be uh, putting barriers between you and other people and things that you want to do. Yeah, I think that the, the, the peer pressure there comes into play and that's where it gets tricky. Mm. You know, Maybe it's just a stupid hat that you don't want to wear anymore, but maybe that means your entire community will stop talking to you. Yeah, you, don't, you, you never want to get cast out. Nobody know? does, right? Uh, we're, we're social creatures, right? So that, you know, at the same time, I think it depends for what, you know, like if it's certain cultural things that have no effect on others' lives, then maybe who cares, you know? But if it starts affecting others negatively, I think, and like the purely like, I guess a consequentialist outlook being like the consequences affect whether it's right or wrong. You know, if you're, if you're hurting others based on, you know, some culturally ingrained practices, then maybe it's, you have a duty to think differently about yeah it. christopher hitchens would 100 percent have agreed with you um before he died um he was very much approaching atheism from that standpoint is that he wasn't he was of course interested in the in the the obsolete right. ridiculous be religious based behaviors mm -hmm. religious cultural behaviors mm -hmm. but at the end of the day he was like yeah you want to wear the hat and the the silly shoes and the do it yeah but a i don't have to give you any special respect Sure. He was mad at those kinds of right, ideas. Right, We're like, right. ah, but he's a man of God. Right. Mm. And everyone's silenced. Well, it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about before about like truth and how we kind of come to truth like as, as a collective by discussing things, right? So it becomes kind of dangerous at a certain point if an individual believes something that's outside of our collective truth. It threatens right? the collective. Yeah. I was watching uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on Rogan. I just started that that podcast. It starts off really good. Apparently, it's like an amazing episode. Is it? it was on like last week. I love uh, NDG. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. NDT. <laughs> yeah. um, so you call him NDG. <laughs> <laughs> NDT. Well, we love NDG too. Shout yeah. out. Yeah. Shout, Shout out to NDG. NDG. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was talking about like flat earthers. Uh huh. It's like okay. Well, you want to believe that the Earth is flat. I guess there's no harm in you secretly believing that the earth is flat, but it becomes weird if, you know, or and even more than weird, just like damaging and dangerous if f that flat earther goes into politics <laughs> right? right? or wants to be like yeah. the president of the United States. So it's about, it's about positioning. It's, it's just, it's what, just, what's your, what, what are you going to, yeah. Like are we letting you near the button type thing? Right. Like if I you, mean, if yeah. you want to deviate from the, 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 the collective truth that we've all decided upon, then you need to kind of go off to the side and leave it, lead a private life or right. like be when the village idiot at that point. When Trump was about to be elected and people were like trying to get a petition going to like just offer him his own show <laughs> instead of the presidency. 
<laughs> because in that arena, we love him. Like he's great over yeah. there. But <laughs> not leading the nation. Leading the nation is is not great. Yeah. yeah. So he does no harm on TV apart from, you know, uh, being fo- like just continued. Yeah, show business in the show business world. He's actually great. He's yeah. watchable. He's he's hilarious. He's a kind of an oddity. But in uh, politics, he's he's a uh, wrecking ball. Yeah, because he lives in his own world. Right. Yeah. I just want to say something about the whole Trump thing is that I actually like Trump less because of the militant kind of left almost. It's the same, you know, reason that, you know, the militant atheists get a bad name. Yeah. So I actually like I, I, I was I feel like I was like more against Trump before all the leftist people started putting you know naked or kind of weird satire around them and just like making it all about it's just, it's when like they, they they threw off the <clears throat> when when they stopped arguing in a in a rational way and were just basically trying to just like yeah. sling no mud essentially. It, it, it's more polarizing i feel yeah. like and I, and at this point i have like leftist friends on facebook that annoy me more than the fucking like silent trump supporter friends i have right you know what i mean I'm not a Trump supporter At by all. any means, uh, yeah. but it's like just getting this like militant. It's kind of it's too much at some point, you know. It's I don't know. Well, we're living the the reversal of a very old dynamic, yeah. Where academics, very few of them, held all of the quote unquote knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, questioning them was not only ridiculous, but it would your own people would ridicule you. Like, no, you don't question professor, right. whatever. Go back to your fucking thing. You right. don't have new ideas. Shut up. Cite your sources. And yeah, shut the now fuck everyone's up. a journalist. Everyone has a blog. It's the, the, the landscape has changed. A moron can yell fake news to a, a, a career journalist of 40 years with, with accreditation yeah. and, and, and awards and world yeah. experience, and nobody gasps. Nobody shushes him. Right? <laughs> People go, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> you show Mr. Knowledge, Mr. Mr. Went to School. Yeah. Mr. went around the I, world. I read it on BuzzFeed. Right. Mr. lived with the tribe for five five years. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, you know, it's yeah. interesting because this... So academics and philosophers used to play a bigger role in the public eye. There used to be some... You know, they would be engaged in politics and kind of there'd even be some shows on the, you know, the CBC and some of these public broadcasting... Uh, what is it? Platforms. Platforms, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and, and they'd have philosophers and guest stars like... And now philosophers seem to write and academics i should say in general write more for other academics than they do for the masses mm-hmm. it's just a weird kind of the specialization you saw in all the manufacturing and all the like factory shit has achieved academia right almost in a sense and now if people don't write like everyone's <laughs> retreated to their to their yeah. hole and yeah. is self-replicating yeah like even as an academic as a philosophy uh, master student I can read other dissertations in philosophy and understand nothing. You know what I mean? Right. So how, how does the lay person have any chance of understanding this dissertation? And this is like, you know, at a master's level. Yeah. We're not even talking about like a doctoral dissertation and something, you know, it's, it's, it's something so that should be available to anyone that walks into the library and be able yeah. to engage it. But I, it's completely I encrypted. So. I think so, because I, I'm a fan of the kind of appealing to the, the, the pop of the masses. But that even that has gotten a bad reputation now because it's like you're selling out. You're a sellout. Every time people write books, 
that are kind of too general too that can be understood too accessible right. yeah that mm. could be understood then all of a sudden you're a sellout yeah, because like, it threatens <laughs> very old power structures in the academic corrupt the corrupted academia circles yeah that had had a certain that fed certain people certain circles with the ability to hold on to the supremacy yeah uh, by using big words and therefore always having an up on it, right? So now we're seeing the reversal of that. Yeah. These are all toppling. These yeah, are all coups. Yeah, 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 exactly. Idea, idea coups yeah. and so social coups that are happening. Yeah, there's almost, it, there used to be a kind of good uh, dimension or a good kind of, it's, it was seen well to be in academia, you know, uh, as someone studying something. Now it's kind of seen as, oh, that's so arcane. That's so removed yeah. from reality. That's get a so, job. You know, get a real job. Get out of your ivory tower. Yeah. Cut off your dreadlocks and <laughs> get yeah. a real job. Right. <laughs> like, cut off your beard, actually. Or your beard. Yeah. 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 Shave the neck beard. Uh, yeah. Dollar yeah. Shave Club. <laughs> I'm going to a, a conference at Philosophy Conference tomorrow on logic and just look quickly looking at the speakers. All of them had beards. Right. It was almost weird. I'm like, just shave that thing off, man. There's that. Uh, it's there's too that long. British it's two feet long now. Uh, what's his name? There's a, there's a great TED talk about know, that from a, from like a, a guy who's been who's like super. He's one of the most decorated academics ever. Super academic. Yeah, he and he's his big re realization at the end of his journey was that academia's head is up its own ass. Oh, right. I could have told you that. And but he has this great analogy about how <laughs> there's too much living in the head, and how professors their bodies are just used to carry their heads around <laughs> to meetings. <laughs> and he's like, and if you doubt this, then just come to any sort of social function and academics where they have to dance on the floor. <laughs> they have to dance on it. Like they have to get, and you'll see that they yeah. clearly have been neglecting everything below their fucking necks <laughs> for, for decades. Yeah, I, I feel there are very few shredded academics. Yeah, it's the cultivation of only this, this the ball on the top of your body. Yeah. And the rest falls into uh, you, decrepitude. That goes contra the old, uh, the old knowledge of uh, wisdom, you know, healthy body, healthy mind mm. kind of balance. Yeah. It's which a is very Western philosophy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the separation of body and mind. Yeah. I wonder, do you have any idea when that happened? the what the like why is it that we still cannot like why is it still revolutionary for some ted talk dude to go like what if they're the same like people are still <laughs> still like <sighs> like 2015 talks yeah, yeah. they're like what we realize now that if you treat your body bodily uh, your body badly <laughs> uh your mind will also suffer consequences wow. and everyone's like mind blown well, I think it's Why are because we still struggling it, I think with this? it's because we treat the mind and body differently that you become this becomes some fucking revelation. The mind and the body are the fucking same thing. Right. But how can you have a mind without a body? How can you have a body without a mind? Why did we what I'm wondering is where did that separation take place? Because in the, if you look at Asian cultures, it seems that to them that's completely ridiculous. Like mind and body have always been one thing. Right. That is a good question. I have no. That's know. why Asian medicine tends to be regarded as holistic. more holistic and and and, yeah, and, and, and that's ancient. A good point. But I wonder if where if anyone could trace the that point where for some reason uh, I guess Europeans or mm -hmm. whoever it is went like. I blame the British. I think they I have they like have a very uh, analytical kind of reductionist view to everything. Right. And uh, there was some studies done even that would so that you're shown this picture. And if you're Western kind of Westerner or a uh, or Asian, you, you 
you ask you're asked what's the picture about and it was a fish kind of flopping in and out of the water and they're like the westerners would be like well it's a picture of a fish and the kind of easterners would be like oh no it's a picture of the ocean yeah you know what i mean okay it's just it's just two perspectives hmm. and uh there does seem a, to be a weird divide between the west and east when it comes to uh being more reductive, more analytic is more the Western kind of style. Right. More holistic, more general, broad perspectives, more Eastern. Again, it's simplifying, but it I, seems yeah, to be I a trend. Yeah, I wonder, like, did it start with Darwin? Uh, is that where the, those kind of separations started to form? Uh, was it because of the, the sort of political agenda of, of being able to separate body from mind in order to be able to claim racial supremacy? It could be oh, religion. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe. Religion. Could be religion that like the thinking doesn't actually happen in your brain, but it happens in your in your mind. Could be right. in your soul. It's probably I think it's thousands we of can, years old. Right, and it's it's a gift for you from the from the, God. the mm-hmm. all powerful. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Well, I think it was probably pro- probably around the time of um, the ancient Greeks, because we hear a lot about the ancient Greeks as being the you know the Western Civ kind of starters, but there was a whole bunch of other civilizations <coughs> going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. In you know chi- China is an older civilization, for example. China, uh, China, you know, China could be all the way back to then. You know, uh, Lao Tzu said, uh, "If you run behind a run in front of a uh, when, what did he say?" Uh, you know the ancient Chinese philosopher. Mm-hmm. He yes. said, "A uh, man who goes to bed with itchy bum wakes up with smelly finger." Yeah, I'm familiar with <laughs> Is that. Is that an actual quote? <laughs> no. I wish it were though, because that's true. Oh, uh, I think he also was famous uh, for saying, <laughs> "The man who uh, runs in front of a bus gets tired. Man who uh, walks runs behind the bus gets exhausted." Nice. Man who watches <laughs> last last episode of Dexter will be disappointed. <laughs> I think that's one of his quotes as well. Oh, last season of Lost or whatever. Uh, I think he many also shows. said that. Yeah, in any case, like... Probably goes back to... I, I think it goes back to the ancient Greeks who tried very hard to... That analytic style, breaking things down. Also identify that... I think, I think the mind also ha- was so vast and the capabilities were so vast that they couldn't reconcile it to being an actual function of the smelly, like tangible body they had to exist as a, either some sort of thing that floated above your head or that was like a divine inspiration or something because all of these amazing ideas couldn't come from like your smelly right fucking body that it everybody, had to be something yeah it had more, to be external yeah. otherwise that ma- that would suggest also that everyone is kind of capable of it including the darkies <laughs> including the, the, the blacks and the browns or whatever whatever group that you you <laughs> whatever wanted to group marginalize you wanted to <laughs> yeah marginalize at the time i feel like it probably dates back to racism but in the real stuff not the like uh he wouldn't serve me my coffee like not that kind of racism they're like no based on your color over there you serve you rule you serve you rule i don't know maybe uh maybe i'm just off my fucking i don't know i don't know uh, maybe maybe i've reached my 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 uh my stam the limits of my <laughs> stamina of rationality, which is what it was. They should literally be a meter that somehow manages to gauge your, yeah. your intellectual stamina and just when it starts beeping, you're like, okay, we're going to call it. <laughs> or it'd be good. It'd serve as a warning for the people when you know that they're kind of running out of juice. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not going to engage with. It's at the top of their head. <laughs> it's like, blinking. you're like, oh, George is about to run out of steam. <laughs> I will start <laughs> taking him seriously now. <laughs> cool, man. That's awesome. Well, th- I don't know. This has been great. I feel like... I had a lot of fun. 
It's good times. Do, do you uh, do you just do you do any of this debating with people online? Is um, that a have you tried? I I try to stay active in the uh, the online world, uh, even if it's just on Facebook and stuff. I try to encourage lively debates on Facebook. How's that working for you? You know, surprisingly well. Uh, <laughs> right. Really? I actually ended up getting. Um, what did I ask? It was around the Christmas time, I think, and I I, I saw about like a hundred million people around the shopping mall i'm like okay there's way too many people here and it made me got me think about capitalism so i asked facebook i'm like give me your best arguments against capitalism and i was expecting you know five or ten kind of posts maybe like a shit show back and forth i think it got like 200 comments uh unfortunately facebook isn't the best forum for discussion right but it's just cool to get to break away from that look at what i ate for lunch kind of thing and and get a little okay. more uh deep into I, out of those 200 comments like how many would you roughly <laughs> estimate to have been uh on topic I, i'd say like over 50 percent oh, were either impressive. either on topic or kind of derivatively Adjacent. On topic, yeah. tangential. Now we, need, now we need George to come back and to for a new segment, a terrific Facebook argument. Yeah, oh. we, used to, we used to have a segment called Terrible Facebook Arguments. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah which I usually turn start. that around. <laughs> terrific. Jason would, would start fights on Facebook, and then not quite. <laughs> no, no, that 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 that's misrepresenting what I would do. Mm-hmm. I would. That's your opinion. I, that's well, your and your opinion is stupid. You, that's your opinion of my opinion. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying anyone <laughs> who would believe that is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I would do is just posit ideas that required a little bit of going beyond the surface, yeah. and it would have the predicted result of uh, turning into shit shows. It's also called trolling. <laughs> trolling is great. It was moderation. it was advanced trolling. Okay, it was it was uh, <laughs> it was not your standard. My trolling is better than other people's. Tro- no, the point was not to troll stro- troll, rather it was. It was kind of a troll, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the only point. Busted. There were more. There was more back there, <laughs> but only for those that stayed with me. But it, it's getting better. People are getting better at at kind of sticking. Like the the troublemakers stay away now. Yeah, and people have like are engaging sometimes. Not two hundred comments engaging. It may have been one hundred fifty, but it it was more than I've ever seen on a Facebook thing. That's cool. What was the what was the topic? It it was just it was just give me your best arguments against capitalism. Like Ooh. I took a very dispassionate stance. I was neither for or against it, and hmm. just I just wanted arguments. That's a broad one. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, and then kind of whatever people would post, I'd kind of try and get, play devil's advocate a little bit, okay. whether I believe it or not, just to get them to th- thinking a little bit more. I, I have. I think I have an idea for the next one you should put up. Yeah. You ready for this? I'm ready. What is the right amount of fire in a hole to listen to in a <laughs> given month? How's that? Does that sound? Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Well, thank you. I had a lot of fun, guys. I hope you had fun. It was great. I think we uh, were on some uh, some knowledge. Not really, what but it's just fun. <laughs> what is knowledge, really? We're, we're uncovering some what some hidden well, knowledge we'll <laughs> <laughs> this has been great thank you for joining us thanks so much and, for having uh, me for those of you listening that might have detected an extra mystical syrupy bourbon like sound in our voices um rich and i have uh, finally uh cracked the fucking bottle on this new gear we are we're fully upgraded now we're fully professional some of you are like you guys sounded fine what the fuck <laughs> it's for us okay it's not for you 
Uh, but it's amazing. We haven't actually put it up yet. It's like watch it sound like shit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> We're all bragging about it. I'll have like, to cut out new gear. And I'll have to cut out this whole bit because it'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, other than that, is there anything you want to plug? Anything else? Any closing uh, thoughts? Uh, you know what? Uh, Fire in the hole has been great. I'm gonna definitely uh, share you guys on on the various social media outlets that I. Frequent. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. I and uh, and feel free uh, to recomm uh, 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 recommend any guests that you think we should uh, try to keep up with and then ultimately fail. I will do um, that and uh, give them a warning uh, in advance. About <laughs> me? About uh, <laughs> mostly you. Know, you. Mostly yeah. you. No, like people like you. Not you specifically. <laughs> people who <laughs> people are like you. <laughs> people who believe things that you believe. <laughs> Just those people. <laughs> but not you specifically. We like you. <laughs>